This is the VIP Podcast, Virginia in Politics. Let's listen to host Chris Saxman explore the personalities and policies that connect the Commonwealth. The VIP Podcast is brought to you by the VCTA, Broadband Association of Virginia, and Virginia Free. The views and opinions expressed here do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the VCTA and Virginia Free or our sponsors. This is Chris Saxman on the VIP Podcast. Joining me now is Bob Lewis of Virginia Mercury, formerly AP reporter extraordinaire for the Commonwealth of Virginia and an all-around really good guy joining us on the VIP Podcast, brought to you by VCTA, the Broadband Association of Virginia and Virginia Free, of which I am the executive director. Good morning, Bob Lewis. Good morning, Chris. Good to be here. It's good to be anywhere. Isn't it? After two years of Two years of quarantine and you name it. We haven't had a chance to go uh, watch ball games and drink beer and all the lovely things we used to do back before the lockdowns. One of my favorites was when I spilled an entire beer in Warren Fisk's lap at the, at Big Al's, but we'll... <laughs> 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 he, goes, he goes, yeah, I always see him. He goes, you owe me a beer. I'm like, I put it in your lap. What do you want? <laughs> oh, yeah, I miss Come all on, that. Warren. This is not about me. Yeah, and that, that's not where you drink it, Warren. So, um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I'm, uh, you know, I think we're easing out of the... Um, um, oh my God, uh, variant um, uh, scare, and people are slowly getting back to normal. Um, you know, uh, but I'm, I'm still, you know, hey, I'm retired. I'm 66, and I don't take it lightly. So I've, you know, been been a good boy. I've been heeding all the warnings and going sure. masked and yeah. everything like that. Uh, and not only that, I don't want to take it home to my wife. So, you know. Um, it's a good thing that uh, that I am, you know, I don't have to punch a clock every day anymore like I did for 40 years. And, you know, now instead of 20 minutes driving like it was today to come downtown, right. it's 20 steps from my bed, you know. And <laughs> so when you're, you're commuting. It's really cool. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot better, I'm sure, in that regard. But let's let's talk about those 40 years in, in politics. You covered politics closely uh, mm-hmm. as well as anyone has in the Commonwealth, Thank you. and uh, no, truly, uh, one of the one of the good guys in, in in journalism. You call it straight. You call it balls and strikes. Um, mm-hmm. You know, which is which is not done anymore. Mm-hmm. It's an it's an old, <laughs> you know. Let me say it's old. It's unfortunately mm-hmm. um, going away further uh, more and more because our media is just changing so much. Where do you see? the media changing? I mean, you've been a part of it, especially the dawn of the internet, social media and cable news. And now we're in this place of where's this thing going to go? Because most Republicans won't even talk to the media now. I know. We, only, it, we only have an hour, right? Right. No, let's do it. I mean, let's do it. I mean, someone go get us some bourbon. We'll fix, we'll fix this right now. I mean, I have uh, basically taught uh, college level um, lectures on this stuff. And it's, uh, it's not a good picture out there. I was very lucky in that I came into journalism during uh, the late part of its golden age, uh, particularly for newspapers. When I think of 20 years ago and uh, what we were allowed to do then, uh, you know, the travel that we got to do, um, the uh, um, budget. You had a budget. To we work. had a budget. I mean, and, and it was it was healthy back then. Um, the reason that the entire environment was healthier then, from a um, news and and a health of the republic standpoint, is we had more voices. We had more trained journalists out there doing the job, and the beauty of it was they were competing against each other. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, that that kept that more than anything else kept everybody honest. Well, it kept everyone you know on the a level of information that they all shared and agreed to as a, mm-hmm. as, a as a construct in every argument. I'd go to. Uh, or every debate, rather. I went to, after I got out, this is like 2011, 2012, I went to a town hall with Congressman Bob Goodlatte, mm-hmm. maybe 2013. And he's getting all these questions. I'm like, where are you getting this information? Mm-hmm. It's just not true. Mm-hmm. And it didn't matter. Because these people were pissed. Mm-hmm. They came to a town hall, mm-hmm. and they were blasting their congressman that they pretty much all voted mm-hmm. for. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't doing enough. And for Bob Goodlatte to be called not conservative when he was the most, one of the most conservative members of the of the mm-hmm. of the house and pushed further to the right because his people his voters were getting information that was just not accurate mm-hmm. and you, it had no bearing on the reality that they were that they were living yeah well uh, you know we, we live in an echo chamber now chris where um moderate voices have just been sort of pushed aside and the loudest voices on the um, um, different poles of the political spectrum seem to have taken over. And I think, you know, even the term political spectrum is no longer operative because now what some of these uh, activists on each side of the fence believe and advocate um, is just completely off the charts. There's nothing that you can study in old school politics that right. prepares you for it. No. Um, and so um, it, it's it's a much more complicated scene to cover. Um, one thing that I, I make sure not to do is to suggest that today's journalists are inferior to those in my time. I think they're better. Do you really? I do, I, but they're outgunned. There are fewer. The of, job is harder. The job is much harder. The job is a moment by moment, second by second uh, right. competition. And, you know, you, you, you don't have time to do the deep dives that we we did. I, they don't have the time to just decamp and go to Galax or Gate City right. or uh, Winchester, you know, to report out a story like I like I had the luxury to do and the expense account to do. Um, you had more time. I had the time, and uh, uh, you know that contracted gradually over the years as electronics. Uh, came in, and the pressure was on to not only get the story, but get the tweet. You know, it, it, we went from being measured in terms of 12-hour daily cycles, the AM cycle and the PM cycle, to being measured in seconds. And it's, and, and because of that, days seem like weeks. Yes. Something that yes. happens that was extraordinary in the morning, and like the um, Winsome Sears with the, with the, uh, the, the shoe this week. When she, yeah. it, just, I mean, it was a great moment. I mean, yeah. it, it was yeah. called in, I think, in a British online journal called an iconic moment. Uh-huh. I'm going, okay, well, I couldn't go anywhere without people going, hey, did you see what Winston did? I'm like, well, wasn't that like last week? Yeah. It was yesterday. That was so 1030, Chris. It was what's, what's going right. It was, so it was so 1030. That was noon. Where have you been? It's 1230. Move on. <laughs> But, uh, yeah. but but what is that doing to our our body politic and our and our society when we're we're so rapid fire having to make decisions that are based on? Well, I think you see the consequences of it. Facts. Uh, what happens is um, uh, fact and uh, uh, solid documented reporting takes a back seat to rumors, to absolute falsehoods, uh, unvetted material. Uh, deliberate disinformation, and yeah, we're seeing it it's dangerous all over the world. 
uh, and and you know, um, there's no saying that uh, a lie can get halfway around the world before the truth can put its shoes on. And, and now, that's absolutely right. And in the political context now, you can take that lie or that screw up by a politician, uh, an unsavory word uh, or a damn near a felony, <laughs> and, yeah. go, and go, you know what? Yeah, he screwed up. Let's make money on it. Because mm-hmm. oh, yeah. now I'm attacked by my opponents. I can go to my base and say, I'm being attacked by my opponents. Send me money. And they yeah. send money. Yeah. It's it, political it's, evangelism. It is. It, it's, it's gotten to be a professionalized um, uh, hustle. Um, I, maybe I'll even say scam. But uh, politics has, has really gotten to a, a level that 20 years ago, uh, I, would not have, I would not have predicted. It was, you know, you know, back in the day when, uh, you know, when, when Bob Melton was at the Washington Post and Bob Lewis, oh, yeah. you know, there's some great reporters. Mm-hmm. Um, if they called you, it wasn't for a happy reason. You're no. like, I'm going to lose the election. Bob Melton called me. I'm like, it was, check your shorts because something's <laughs> terribly, terribly wrong. It was like uh, it was like Mike Wallace showing. Oh, right. It's your, your business. Office. What's yeah. he doing here? <laughs> <laughs> it's not it's not it's not to get us you know, Valentine's. And stuff. Yeah, it's like the Southwest commercial. Want to get away? <laughs> yeah. <Ping. laughs> right. But uh, we we had uh, we I was going through some old uh, T-shirts. You know, we're, we're sort of throwing some things away. And 20 years ago, we printed up. Um, T-shirts uh, with the name for the Virginia Capital Correspondence Association it had the logo on the front. Mm-hmm. On the back, it had the names of all the uh, member publications, and it's like you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. twenty-five or twenty-six names, and those are just we had a press corps. We had a press corps, and those were just the full-time correspondents um, who right. were based here at the Capitol. And uh, the last time I went to TV trucks here, you had everybody. Yes, you did. And you had, uh, you know, the the press rooms in the Capitol and in the old General Assembly building were occupied mostly year round. Yeah. Uh, Now, uh, I haven't been in either of those press rooms uh, in eight years now, I guess. But uh, I'm told that, you know, unless there's they're actually in session and on the floor, nobody's in there. Well, it's not pining for the glory days, you know, such a, you know, people like nostalgia. This isn't nostalgia. This is no. a problem it, it that is. our society is not being fully informed of what's going on around them. And they're being, I think, misled in a lot of ways and taken advantage of because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'll talk to political consultants and I'll say, you know, you know, did you see this article in this particular paper? He says, what do I care about that for? Mm-hmm. Our people don't look mm-hmm. at that paper. Mm-hmm. My job is to get those yeah. people to show up to vote, and that's it. Yeah, Chris, you just can't cover the waterfront anymore. I mean, there's still some excellent journalism being done out there, and I'm going to, um, uh, this is not a paid promotional message here, but I'm going to. Go ahead. Let I'm it not, rip. I'm not on the staff, uh, but I'm going to say that, you know, one of the uh, bright spots that I've seen lately in journalism has been the Virginia Mercury. Bob Zullo, the editor, has put together an incredible staff over there. Some of the, I mean, the brightest young people that, I have um, been privileged to practice around. Mm-hmm. I do a column once a month. Uh, they are on the beat every day right. and turning out quality stuff. Um, I, I mean, they they keep me young. I love being able to do this gig because... Yeah, you're not the acerbic old guy. 
I am you're the institutional the, memory. You're not the curmudgeon <laughs> that you could be. And frankly, you're really good at it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Actually, I'm mellowed a little bit in, in my age, but I just marvel at uh, how, um, how uh, smart and creative and able uh, these people are. And yet and the knock on Virginia Mercury is what? That their uh, funding isn't disclosed. That's a problem. Yeah. And, 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 and because of that, there's always this area of, well, that's the Mercury. They're of the left. They're funded by the left. But we really don't know. We could do a deeper dive. And I've done some of that research. I'm like, you know, just say who you are. Yeah. Let's get this out in the open. It doesn't take away from good journalism. Yeah. It doesn't take away from facts. The problem is it comes across as bias anyway. Well, it's everything out there now is interpreted as bias. But of course, read, it is. read that's the Mercury. The, that's one of the problems. Read the Mercury. Read the coverage. Read the reporting, and I think you'll come away uh, persuaded that uh, it's pretty balanced. The problem, though, is no one on the right reads it and takes it seriously mm-hmm. because it doesn't affect their elections. No one on the right is mm-hmm. going to be moved. The opinion, the the fact is, oh yeah, it's going to yeah. oh so what? You know, I mean, I, I don't pretend for a minute that it carries the. Um, the same uh, station with uh, decision makers that AP once did, or the Post once right. did. But even AP and the Post don't carry that weight anymore. They don't. Because when did, when did when was the last time you saw an editorial come out in Virginia and change anything? <laughs> I, I don't know. Th- I don't know that I've ever seen one come out. And I mean, remember when like it was a big deal if the if the if the Richmond Times Dispatch endorsed a Democrat. Oh, I don't even think they do endorsements anymore. They don't. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's just a, a, a different world now. Um, but what uh, is where is that world going? This is this is my concern and my question. I don't know, Chris, and that's what bothers me. I, I don't have that crystal ball. Yeah. I mean, we can see the trends of where it's gotten us from, say, when I got into the business in the mid '70s to now. And, you know, the, the trend line certainly isn't good. For-profit news organizations are suffering. Um, and honestly, I think um, most of them are going to have a very difficult time surviving the next few years. Um, I look at uh, uh, the papers that are doing the best, and those are the papers that um, I think would succeed as subscriber-only mm-hmm. um, organizations. Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Post. They've changed their business models and doing quite well. They, they have, but they also offer distinctive content that's not so. available anywhere else that nope. people, you and I, are willing to pay for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, uh, it, it's you, you don't open those papers up and see two-day-old wire stories. Right. You know, that's the death knell right there. You've got to have something distinctive, something that nobody else can replicate. Because, you know, if you want to, you can read um, a Paris newspaper every morning. You can read the London Times. Mm-hmm. We're no longer bounded by geography. Right. Uh, the, the, the competition out there is so fierce. You've got to be able to offer some, someone uh, a product that tells, you know, in the case of medium-sized papers, what's going on in your community? Why does it make a difference to you? Uh, data that only we have because only we care about it. Mm-hmm. I think that's the key to success for um, local mid-size newspapers. Uh, and until until they invest in the product, invest in the reporting, um, and give people a reason to subscribe, 
I don't see anything getting any better. Well, I th- and I think the, the manifestation of all that is uh, as we further disintegrate as a people, mm-hmm. it accelerates because yeah. our common information is no longer common. Yeah. And we don't have anything to agree on. No. Like, no we, we, because we, right. we, never ha- we don't have shared experiences anymore. Remember, right. in back in, again, this is not, you know, you know waxing nostalgic here, but, you know, there are only three channels. And mm-hmm. everyone watched Newhart or everyone watched Carol Burnett or everyone watched MASH or whatever it was. And you talked about it the next day at work. Right. We don't do that. No. I, and when I sit down with, and I didn't do, it, didn't do it with Vivian Watts this morning. I, I ask typically every member of the legislature, well, where do you get your information? What movies and books and sports teams do you follow? And none of it overlaps. Mm-hmm. They don't have any shared experiences. No. How do they expect them to get along and, and go, yeah, I see what you're seeing? I think that's at the heart of what we're talking about, Chris. When you don't share uh, any experiences, and more importantly, you don't share any uh, commonality with, uh, in, in terms of truth, in terms of uh, uh, knowledge of uh, what's going on in the world, in terms of knowledge of your own government, then you know, it's impossible to reach a consensus on anything. That's why we're a country hell-bent on arguing all the time about everything. Isn't that, That's why isn't, we isn't form that, tribes that are constantly at war with one another. Well, the, the, the tribes are for security reasons. Mm-hmm. Help me. Yeah. Agree with me. Yeah. Make me it, feel comfortable. That, that and comfort. You know, you, you have the comfort of a like-minded group and where nobody is going to take exception with what you believe. And it bonds it tighter together. And the enemy becomes that group over there that believes none of what you Who so used to be good friends. Yeah. I've lost good friends yes, from absolutely. my youth over politics, and yeah. they assume I'm a certain way because they vote differently. Yeah. Me, and they don't call and say, hey, what do you mean by that? That's extremely true. Yeah, I know you saved my life that one day, but <laughs> I'm kind of upset by your post on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it really is a concerning thing. And, and Julie and I talk about that quite a bit, that over the last eight years, uh, we've had friendships ruptured. Oh, family um, members. Because, yeah. And it's like, I mean, I do this for a living. I don't take it that seriously. Mm-hmm. And it's my mm-hmm. paycheck. Mm-hmm. That, that's that's one of the things, Chris, is people like us who have done it professionally, you as a policymaker and me as a journalist, um, you know, we do have a broader uh, uh a broader perspective on this that average people don't have. And we sort of see the absurdity in it sometimes, and we can let it go. Ordinary people don't have that perspective, and they can't let it go. Well, they choose not to let it go for, for a number of reasons, I don't, and I don't slight them. It's not, it's not their fault. Right. And, it, it's, it's, and it, I don't think it's anyone's doing. Mm-hmm. It's just what's happening. Right. Our society is evolving to a point, especially with the Internet and social media. Remember in the mid-aughts, it was blogging and all that was going on. And now we're in this Twitter world. Uh, you know, let's say something mean in 140 characters and tee-hee-hee, we got a lot of likes. So that's, you know, that's a sugar high. We, we yeah. love that kind of stuff. But, you know, it's not helping. You know, the, no. the other day we saw the, the governor mistake Mamie Locke, Senator Mamie Locke and Senator Louise Lucas, which is not easy to do. I mean, you, you have to. Well, I mean, the poor guy doesn't even know the, where the restrooms are yet. Right. How's he going to know? Well, that and, he, and apparently he apologized to Louise. Uh-huh. This was in Jeff Shapiro's column today. Uh-huh. And it was like done. Per- Look, I'm sorry. I mean, I used to get called Steve Landis every day. <laughs> Chaz Evans Haywood is a clerk of the court in uh, Harrisonburg, Rockingham County. Mm-hmm. Looks a lot like me. Mm-hmm. When he used to go to a parade, I'm like, oh, thank God I don't have to because everyone's going to think I was there because you were there because we look so much alike, <laughs> right? 
But in this context, the guy screws up. I mean, how many times have you sent a text to the wrong person? Going, hey, it wasn't meant for you. Yeah, yeah. But in this context, oh, it goes on Twitter. Oh, then it's racial. Yeah, yeah. It, it's um, we're we're a more imperfect society than we've ever get than we've ever been. Demanding more perfection than will ever be possible uh, for any human being, and it just feeds the the, the growing discontent and anger out there. We're less imperfect. We're more imperfect than we ever have been. Yeah. And yet we have far more than we ever have. In all of human history, no one has it as good as we do, and yet we're far more imperfect than we ever have been. Why is that? We, we need liquor for this one. We need booze. Just going to have to have a booze that, session. That's so deep, Chris. You know, I mean, I've only got a bachelor's degree. <laughs> what do you want from me? That, that's it for me. <laughs> <laughs> I scratched out European history. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we need to bring a pastor or somebody <laughs> yeah, for that one. It's it's a yeah, it, it's a hell of a question. And um, you know, I, I wring my hands over society, and then I try to say, well. You've always wrung your hands over sight. It's a professional uh, hazard, right. occupational hazard. Uh, and, you know, it's like I've always said, well, we're going to hell in this. But things just seem different now. The world's never seemed as much on edge as it is. You know, I can remember the Cold War um, in the 60s and 70s. Oh, God. And, and I'll, I'll, I hate to interrupt you, but I have to in this one. Uh -huh. Some idiot on Twitter. I think was working for NBC Sports, trying to like build up the Olympics. Right. Said that one of the hockey matches that we played was on par with the Miracle on Ice. <laughs> I, I, really? I was like, why is this phone still in my hand and not firmly lodged in my drywall? <laughs> because that was one of the stupidest things I've ever heard. I mean, I mean, you can't conflate. You can't build that up. No. I mean, there's, and I tweeted out, there's no way you were born in the 80s, yeah. let alone the 70s and the 60s. Even if, even if there were a game as great as the Miracle on Ice, it doesn't. you don't understand the context Thank of the you. world as it existed in 1980. In 79, we, we, were, we, were, we were on the precipice of a disastrous relationship with the Soviet Union. Yeah. The economy was... Poo in the bowl. Let's just mm -hmm. be honest. Yeah. The only thing going well was the Steelers and the Pirates were winning. Let's be honest too. That that was the ray of well, hope for all of America. There, there you go. You know, yeah. That's what kept me going as a fourteen year old. But mm -hmm. that game changed our country. It sure did. It sure did. That game <clears throat> uh, started nineteen eighty, and nineteen eighty went um, the way of that game because Ronald Reagan picked up on that theme and In the election. Know, the, the next thing you know, he's the president. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it started uh, it, it started a theme that year and suddenly it was cool to you know wave a flag again and uh, but but in the Cold War you remember that game it wasn't live no it wasn't it was tape delayed yeah it had to be and I went down you to my friend's house to next door neighbor's house and I ran down the basement and said, hey, we beat the Russians. And they're like, no! <laughs> they were watching it right there. They're like, damn it, Saxman. <laughs> oh, shit. Spoiler alert. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry about that. <laughs> in the, uh, but back to the point I was, I was making. Um, in the Cold War, I remember growing up not far from a strategic air command base oh. in northeast Arkansas. 
uh, I remember uh, drills where you literally had to, you know, get under your desks as if that was going to somehow shield you from the nuclear uh, a nuclear blast. Did you wear a mask? <laughs> no, no mask then. <laughs> Sorry, but, had to do it. Uh, during the during the Cold War, um, you know, we, we we were afraid of all-out war, but we always had some level of confidence that the doctrine of mutually assured destruction would prevail. Um, you know, because was it Khrushchev, confidence or just hope? Well, it was hope born of some confidence because we had seen confidence too. Competence, yeah. In 1962, we had seen Khrushchev back the missiles out of Cuba. Right. He blinked. Um, he blinked. blinked. Uh, we had seen um, tensions rise and pass um, because we, on some level, uh, despite the rhetoric that was so raw in the time, we figured that there were people at the top who uh, didn't want to incinerate the world and die with everybody else. Right. Now, you know, I'm not so sure that that level of sanity is in place all over the world. I mean, do you think for a second Kim Jong-un would hesitate to take out the West Coast of the United States if he had the means? I don't know. Yeah, it's, I, th- I think it is far more scary. And then in, in another way, I, I, I think about this and I look at Russia and, their, and China and their aggressiveness these days. And outward aggression is always a sign of internal turmoil mm-hmm. in my, in my mm-hmm. read. Mm-hmm. Um, and because we are so intertwined economically, mm-hmm. there's just this uh, stasis that occurs. There's always this, this you know, we're, we're not going to mm-hmm. attack our, our, our uh, best customers. Right. You know, I mean, if, mm-hmm. if we do that, what's going to happen to me internally? And I think that's that's an evolution that we don't talk about, because I think in today's context, especially with the Ukraine um, issue right now, mm-hmm. we get all we get worried about these things because we haven't experienced the mm-hmm. that reality in over 30 years. Well, I hope I impute I hope I impute more um, sanity to Putin than um, than he's showing. Um I mean, he is, I think he has some sort of a God complex, and he has this vision of himself as um, the guy who restores the old Soviet empire. Oh, that's that's definitely who he is. And I, you know, to, I, I think the decisive question is, how much does that prevail over every other consideration? If he wants to bring Poland and uh, the Czech Republic and Latvia, Lithuania, and all of those back into the Russian orbit, uh, and is willing to use force to keep them out of NATO. You know, where do we go? Bothers me. And that, because we were in the Cold War era, our mm-hmm. our you know our thoughts are formed by that mm-hmm. very different construct. Mm-hmm. I mean, daily nuclear holocaust. Kids are worried about masks, and they're like, mm-hmm. oh, but you know, the kids come home and like, really? Did you do with did you do nuclear holocaust drills in school when you were growing up? Did right. you do those things? Right. Because we did. We did. We did. That was part of our being, and we just kind of got over it. Like, well, it's either going to happen or it's not. So, I was just live your life. And hello, seventies. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just yeah. woohoo. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I can uh, remember the palpable fear in my parents over the Cuban Missile Crisis. Really? Yes, I do. And uh, I, I really wasn't old enough to grasp it. I was old enough to grasp the fear that they sure. showed. Um, and then a year or two later, uh, I was able to grasp the uh, anguish that I saw in them when President Kennedy was shot. Right. Um, 
and uh, uh, it, it's an experience. Um, and this generation as has a, 9-11. As a second grader or a third grader, it doesn't leave you. And, and, and in today's world, it's 9-11. Yeah. And a lot of that's already leaving mm-hmm. our psyche. Yeah. And we've sort of gone past all that, and we're so in, intensely ingrained in our mm-hmm. momentariness. And I'm like the worst in, at these things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, and that's part of our reality. Mm-hmm. And I guess getting back to the, the original part of the conversation, where do we turn this all in a more positive direction and get away from this tribal warfare, minute-to-minute combat, it seems, that is also financially beneficial to those who want the war? Chris, th- this is not a happy answer, but you know it, it usually takes a rock-bottom experience before things get better. Right. And I hope we don't have that. And I, I, I despair at what that might look like. Um, I mean, <clears throat> I don't. I think we're beyond the point where a kumbaya moment is possible. Mm-mm. No, because because yeah. nine twelve America uh, was America at its best. You know, mm-hmm. December eighth, nineteen forty one. You know, was mm-hmm. when we were like, hey, <laughs> yeah. hold on a tick. We don't. We don't, we're, this is this is unacceptable. We're all gonna, we have a common thing. Mm-hmm. We don't have that common thing anymore. And mm-hmm. I'll never forget. I was at a. I was at a one of those uh, pancake breakfasts one morning back mm-hmm. home and this guy was talking about politics. What's going to take to bring our country together? So you really don't want to contemplate that because the, mm-hmm. the dire nature of that reality would be mm-hmm. completely destructive. And people say, mm-hmm. you know, and this is not to throw water on the whole make America great again. Uh, but we have to remember after World War II when America was great, mm-hmm. it's because the rest of the world was decimated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and people don't put that into context. Wait till you talk about context earlier. Mm-hmm. After World War II, we had no competition. Mm-hmm. The yeah. world was destroyed. The yeah. world's economy was destroyed. Yeah. Who was the only one left who could provide any resources, any products, any anything? The war never came to our shores. It never came here. Yeah, and we were more than equipped to deal with it. And then we couldn't deal with the fact that we had competition finally coming to us, and we mm-hmm. you know, did that that whole thing in the seventies and eighties, and mm-hmm. the Soviet Union, and everything. But that's completely different than what we have today. It's a mm-hmm. far more difficult, painful world. Of, we don't get to just have American he- he- hegemony anymore Mm-mm. because we have serious, at least economic, competition out there. Yeah, and we've got serious economic troubles of our own as well. And, you know, um, I, I don't know um, how this resolves itself. Um, I don't know if... Uh, I, I do believe if it continues for another two years, this will be a one-term president. He may be a one-term president anyway. Um, but uh, you know, it, it's going to change things. Um, I mean, every that, tell me anybody who isn't predicting a Republican takeover of Congress this year. It's almost a certainty. Right. The only thing that could, to, could backstop that for Democrats is, ironically, the redistricting in their uh, in New York, California, Illinois, and having control and switching those seats up. Yeah, and I don't. I still don't see the math as stopping it. But that, that's still not going to. I mean, look, Texas gained seats, and we've seen how redistricting has gone in Texas. I mean, that state's not only going to get another Republican seat; uh, it's uh, redistricting redistricting their current seats to get more blue seats than red. Right. Uh, and, you know, uh, 
Now, the, out, the outlook for the Biden-Harris administration is not favorable. Even, you mean, in Clinton in 94 turned it around. 95, he went to the, he went mm-hmm. to the State of the Union and said, you know, the era of big government's over. Mm-hmm. 30 years mm-hmm. later, here we are, right? right. <laughs> big exactly government, right. ginormous government. Uh-huh. And a government that grows no matter which party is in power. That hasn't stopped, has it? No. You know, despite all the polemics that we hear about uh, about it, I, and I'm not sure either party is re- interested in uh, small government anymore. That 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 whole conversation is out the door. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we're the libertarians. Who? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of third parties, what? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's um, yeah, we're, we're in a very politically volatile uh, time. Uh, not only is the economy uh, rolling everything, um, the uh, the unpredictability and virulence of this pandemic, just when you think you've tamped it down, uh, there's another variant that ravages the world. Um, how well are we going to do? How well are vaccines going to do? How uh, much acceptance are the vaccines going to have? Um, I mean, those questions, I think, are going to have a big bearing on how well the economy recovers over the next few years or whether it recovers. And I'm sensing in the, in the, the, the pandemic now this energy building. Just, it's like kids want to get out for summer, summer recess, right? It's just like, mm-hmm. let us out. Mm-hmm. Just, just call mm-hmm. this thing off. Let's just go. We're, mm-hmm. I think, are, are you sensing that? Are you feeling that out? It's like, well, come on. Oh. Just can we just dial it back a notch and go and just go be where we were two years ago? Yeah, I, I really do. And, you know, the thing that uh, the thing that I sense from all of this is the pandemic on one level uh, has been bad. You know, we're up to what, almost 800,000, 900,000 yeah. deaths now uh, attributed to the coronavirus. But still managed we, to have Olympics in Beijing. Congratulations. Yeah. Good stuff there, fellas. <laughs> <laughs> but we, <Wuhan>. sorry, <laughs> we, uh, uh, the, the pandemic's been bad enough, but the way government has bungled everything from the start. Both parties. Both parties. Both administrations. It's, I mean, those yeah. train wrecks of press conferences that President Trump had were like, what are you doing? I mean, he made Northam's press release when he was going to do the moonwalk seem like a piker. He was like, are you kidding? <laughs> You're doing this every day? Every day. And everyone's like, would you please just take the camera away from this man? It was, it, it, and if he had dealt with the, the, I believe, the pandemic in a far better way, he'd mm-hmm. have been reelected. I think so. Yeah. Well, no, I know so. The polling, is, polling bears it out. The pandemic was the leading reason that Trump lost votes. And that's, and that's at the time as an American president or a politician say, look, look, folks, mm-hmm. this is Republican, Democratic side. Look, mm-hmm. This is the way of the deal. This, yeah. is, this, this is real. Yeah. This is serious. Let's get mm-hmm. it together. Mm-hmm. Anyway, a, a virus was somehow politicized. That's where we which, are. Yeah, that's where we are. That's where we are. I mean, you, you know, and, and then you say, well, at least the science is steady, right? But look at the CDC. They're all over the place. What a basket case. What a dumpster fire it's been. They're behind, <laughs> behind the curve at every step. Well, and then at when, when did we see the uh, government authority to the CDC? CDC guidelines have to do this. I didn't vote for the CDC. That's not how we do this. This is not a this is a democratic yeah. republic. Yeah. But I mean, you can't the the science can't be here today and there tomorrow. You know, I admit, you know, that and we're people learning justifying all, both. Well, it's okay yeah. over here. Well, it's okay over there. Well, we're we're learning. I get that. And uh, yes, the the virus itself mutates and changes. Right. 
But still, I mean, there are... But we are, don't. We dig no, in we deeper. Don't. We dig, um, We keep digging. And, and, and lost in it all in, the, in this fog of war over COVID, Chris, is the, um, the trust that, that, that we'll go back to what we were talking about earlier. The trust that's been ruptured in the population out there mm-hmm. in everything now. Science. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, how government. Many times, how many times you, you've oh. gone out in public and you've seen people wearing a mask or not wearing a mask and they look at you differently mm-hmm. because you're not doing what they're doing. Yeah. They give you that side at the grocery store. Like, really? Now? Yeah. I'm just, I'm just getting groceries. Right. I don't need this. Yeah. I don't, I don't need the judgy thing. Yeah. Right? yeah. And people, if you're wearing a mask, you judge the people who aren't. If you're not wearing a mask, you judge the people who are That's insane. And, and it, you know, I wear a mask in the in the uh, grocery because you know I'm I'm 66. I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm a little overweight. I don't want to risk it. I don't want to take it. I was going to say smell. You know. Yeah. But um, Husky. It, it doesn't it doesn't mean anything. Uh, it doesn't mean anything. There's no slam against somebody who's right. not. Right. I, I don't I don't understand. I just. I guess we were raised in a different time in a different place. We're just like you don't you don't yeah. say that about someone. You don't think yeah. you're not supposed to think that about somebody. Yeah. They're doing their own thing. I mean, yeah. you mean that was the whole you know that was like America in the '60s and '70s. Like do your own thing. But there was a point in which you the judginess had, it just becomes destructive. And mm-hmm. like you know, people were on the right were just like overjoyed that people at the Super Bowl weren't wearing masks. I'm like, this has been your point all along. They're agreeing with you. Why are you calling them out? Just say thank you and move on. Yeah. You know, just yeah. not castigate them and try to drag them down. Oh, I'm right. Oh, send out a fundraising email. Well, I think uh, politeness, for lack of a better word, uh, has been essentially killed. Manners. Uh, yeah, manners. Um, you know, just basic consideration for other people. Um, I think... Until uh, you meet them one-on-one. Yeah, when you meet them one-on-one and you can talk... Uh, if you can do that, that's not possible all the time now. No, depending on your politics, uh, because I've tried it with some people and it hasn't gone well, um, and, and that's that's fairly new. But I think uh, to to some extent, these these phones and the fact that we're hardwired twenty four hours a day mm-hmm. into these uh, echo chambers. He's in, not judging you, by the way. Into uh, camera guy over there, still lamenting the Bengals loss. It just makes me so happy. <laughs> me too, brother. Me too. Um, but but uh, you know we uh, uh, we we're so used to um, fl- uh, flaming each other on social media. It's be- it's reflexive. For what, For what end? Yeah, and it just sort of takes over. It's you, not even a sugar. It, it intrudes into your everyday life. And that's particularly true for younger people who didn't grow up in a time when, you know, at least uh, manners, as you put it, politeness, um, the ability to talk one-on-one, having grown up uh, in a time when people actually sat out on the porch and talked when, you know... Uh, with their uh, neighbors. Yeah, with neighbors. Uh, in a day when, neighbors. Yeah, when you weren't glued to the phone or uh, watching uh, television, which wasn't universally available in the South in my youth. So uh, it, was, uh, it, was, it was a far different time. But people, that time, People knew the art of conversation back then. Well, and I, and I, and I think, one of, again, we can, you know, this is not a, I hate to say how bad things are because as we, as I, we pointed out, and I've said this before, we live in a time in which we've never had more. 
Mm-hmm. You know, in mm-hmm. all of human history, we in this room have more than 99.99% of people who've ever lived. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the, the standard of living, mm-hmm. if we call it that, has never been better. Yeah. And we're not happy with that. Well, I mean, and, I, and I think because what we gave up in that process was what makes us truly happy is being around our family and friends. What I'm worried about, Chris, is, yeah, I mean, for folks our age, I'm considerably older than you, but <clears throat> we've done okay. What I worry about is our kids going to have it as well as we did. Is my, um, are my sons going to be able to uh, own a house uh, as, I, as I do? Um, you know, the world is not as kind now to them as it was to us. Um, kids coming out of college, you know, a lot of them are having to you know, do gig work, two or three jobs, mm-hmm. um, and maybe uh, none of them paying health benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, it's a real eye-opener to see what some of these kids are going through. And so and, much of our, our economic and uh, fiscal and our uh, geopolitical outlook was shaped by that Cold War different trajectory, economic yeah. trajectory that we had. You had you get a job for life, for generations. That's right. But that was because yeah. we had no competition. Now we're living, in, right. we're living in a hyper-competitive global environment. We've got to do all these different things. We worry yeah. about the trajectory for our kids' future because our trajectory mm-hmm. was extremely different. Mm-hmm. was extremely different. And now yeah. we have to go back and reset all these policies to help our next generation. But you go, well, we didn't, those policies were bad when we were growing up. We can't do that anymore. Like, well, mm-hmm. this is a different world. You can't explain it to some people because that's how they voted all their life. Mm-hmm. And you go, well, it's a little bit more complicated now. Yeah, yeah. the, the rules of the... Uh, but if you say that, you're condescending. I mean, not only do the rules of the 1970s no longer apply, the rules of the, of the 2000s don't even apply. Isn't that staggering? It is. It's absolutely it staggering. Absolutely. It's is. how much has changed. The, 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 the acceleration... And I want to say of the decline of this mm-hmm. di- of the disruption in our system because it's going to settle out. Word. It's going to settle out word. somewhere, and I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the unsettling part is where it's going to settle out. Yeah, we don't know. We don't. We don't know. This is the roulette table, right? Where's that damn ball going to go? Yeah. Well, it's, this is not twenty two in Casablanca. We push exactly. a button and get, get, and get what the guy needs to get out of this, <laughs> get out of this country, right? <clears throat> yeah, I think that's a good word. Is, is disruption, and and it's spinning faster and faster and faster, which just creates that much more uncertainty. Yeah. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, uh, I hope the world uh, that we, uh, that, that one day when when we're, we're gone and the kids are trying to make sense of it all. Looking at the archives. Yeah. Are, I, hope, I hope they're not confronted with questions quite as um, menacing and uh, uh, disturbing as the ones that we're dealing with right now. Well, I th- and I think, and we'll, we'll end here, because um, you and I could do this all day long and have in the past. Yes, we and, have. And, uh, usually usually sitting, over Usually over sitting drinks. next to each other with a bar and television. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to settle out and decisions will be made on how they're going to live their lives. Mm-hmm. They're going to say, here, boom. And they're going to do it societal. They're going to do it as a generation. They're going to mm-hmm. say, you know, we're going to buy houses. We're going to settle down. We're not doing this anymore. We saw what our parents did, and we're not doing that anymore. Mm-hmm. Our lives are going to be different. And our generation is going to go, yeah, it was a pretty good decision. Mm-hmm. And it'll be based on some very good things we hopefully will have left behind with them. But it's scary as hell. Very scary. And, <clears throat> you know, just as um, I, I, I'm what I'm hoping is that this next generation, the generation coming along now, I know they're more resourceful 
mm-hmm. than mine was, mm-hmm. uh, than, than, than we boomers have been. I just hope, I hope they're tougher too. Uh, I mean, we boomers had a pretty good time of it, if you think about it. We came along in the late 40s, 50s, early 60s, uh, when when the country was flush with success, uh, we were the unchallenged power in the world. Um, Different trajectory. Yeah, and um, go and be and do anything you want to. And and I don't think we. I think we've as a generation. I think we boomers have taken more than we're giving back. I'm sorry to say. Well, as a, I'm on the cusp, of Gen X, um, mm-hmm. and. Uh, um, a little more introspection from boomers might be helpful at this stage of the game yeah. to go, you know, we yeah. do have this and we did do this and without being pejorative to the generation, which has brought a lot of positive change. Mm-hmm. Um, I do see a generational war coming because mm-hmm. the kids are going to go, uh, no, we're not doing yeah. that anymore. Yeah, I'm not paying into your social security anymore. Yeah, that, that's I'm dumb. getting nothing out of it. I'm getting nothing out of this. Yeah, that's 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 going to happen. And the numbers show that the, the boomers are going to lose that, that fight. And at the same mm-hmm. time, they've got all this, this massive amount of wealth mm-hmm. that has to transfer from one generation to the next. Mm-hmm. And how's it going to get there? Or, or unless you want to spend it on a beach house in Boca Raton. I don't know. <laughs> we could do this all day long. All right, let's get some predictions. <laughs> okay. SEC football this year, who do you think, aside from Alabama and Georgia? Um, that's hard to say. I mean, we have to see what happens, you know, with Brian Kelly at LSU. Is he going to bring them back? Um, I, I don't know that the same same thing that uh, he applied at Notre Dame is going to work in Baton Rouge. Um, different recruiting model. <clears throat> a di- far different recruiting model in how, how – um, how tied in is he to that? I mean, LSU is the, <clears throat> you know, with Alabama, the traditional power in the West, right? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, look at look at the way Texas A&M has been recruiting. Look at their facilities. Look at what they've got. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought, really, that Texas A&M would be a juggernaut this past season. And I was surprised that they wound up only 8-4. and four. Um, and They, they did the beat Alabama, but, you know, we kicked their butts in Oxford. Um, that's why, that's why uh, you know, what's his... Face Riley left uh, Oklahoma. Lincoln he, Riley, he want to, yeah. he, Lincoln Riley didn't want to go to SEC West. No, no. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, you know, in, in the East, you know, what? Where does Florida go? That's the other traditional power in the East. Mm-hmm. Uh, is Tennessee really on the rebound? Um, and uh, so, South Carolina had a good recruiting year. They had a, they overperformed with their new coach. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, uh, part of the Beamer tree. Yeah. The question is, is does Virginia Tech call him back home at some point? I don't think so. I don't think you want to play in that shadow in that home. Maybe not. I don't know. That's a tough Maybe one. Not. Tough one. Anyway. But that that family loves tech. Well, again, do you do you do you do that to your kid? Right? So it goes yeah. back it goes back to, you know, the, the exact same conversation we're having about our kids in the next generation. Go do your own thing. Oh yeah. If you want to come home, that's great. But can you live up to that legacy? I know it's it's like that's a tough it's, one. It's it's an issue that we're dealing with at my alma mater. Um, where's my hat? Um, but uh, Ole, Miss. Ole Miss is trying to get Arch Manning, the grandson of Archie, not happening. Ne- nephew of Eli. I don't not think happening. it's I don't think it's going to happen. I think he's probably going to wind up at Texas or Alabama. Yeah. And Texas pulled a smart move. <clears throat> they uh, are about to hire David Cutcliffe, who was the head coach at. Duke. And was the quarterback coach for Peyton Manning. And he was the head coach for Eli at Ole Miss. Oh, was he really? Yeah, he's he's the Manning whisperer. 
And so uh, Texas is trying to hire him as an offensive analyst. Coach. Yes. And, you know, hoping that that is the magic glue that brings uh, I didn't Arch realize that Cutcliffe was the head Austin. coach at Ole Miss when Eli was there. He was. I did not know. Took, uh, took the Rebels to a Cotton Bowl game. First New Year's Day bowl game they've had in a long time. All right. Well, hotty toddy. Thanks, Bob Thank Lewis, you. for coming in here. Joining me Thank on the you, VIP Chris. podcast brought to you by VCTA, the Broadband Association of Virginia and Virginia Free. Thanks for joining us and please subscribe to our uh, podcasts on YouTube, also on Spotify and Apple. Thanks for joining us.